Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. Come, my lady, come, come, my lady, you're my butterfly, sugar, baby. Come, my lady, come, come, my lady, you're my butterfly, sugar, baby. Such a sexy, sexy, pretty little thing. This table bitch, you got me sprung with your tongue ring. And I ain't gonna lie, cause your loving gets me high. So to keep you by my side, there's nothing that I won't try. Like sands through the black water, so are the days of our Milton. And now, another episode of City Council Melodrama Theater. Good evening, everyone. Uh, special called City Council meeting to discuss the appointment of uh, an interim city manager. I would like to add another item to our agenda tonight. Cannot do this. Excuse me, Jeff. I'll, I'll address her. I understand that she can't do it. I am running this meeting. I will tell her what she can and cannot do. I am the city man. I am the, uh, the, the city uh, mayor. I will take care of things, Jeff. You don't need to interfere with all of this. I'm perfectly capable of doing this on my own. Now, if you think that's an exaggeration, oh boy. <laughs> I have so much to tell you. So much to tell you about the days of our Milton. The, uh, the series which had been rumored to be getting canceled by the very, very ambitious, and I will say it now, naive <laughs> city manager, Scott Scott Collins. He was, I, okay, I, I feel bad because I like Scott, but I'm going to say this, and I don't think you can say it's uncharitable. The hokey pokey manager. He's in, he's out, he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out, he's out, he's out, he's out, he's out. So, um, you know, he's given them another, I think we got, we might even be up against like another week or so that he's left to be there. But anyway, uh, remember Randy Jorgensen retired last year, gave him a long time to transition. They were, uh, they unanimously selected Scott and then there was a, bu- a bunch of drama. Okay. If you ask me my overall summary of the drama, uh, I think that uh, Mike Cusack is the sole primary, not sole, primary reason that that deal fell apart. Uh, and then Heather Lindsay and Don Molinero went to her house uh, mayor's house and called him on a Sunday or whatever or Monday to get away from the city hall because they didn't want prying ears to be involved. I mean, there's so much drama in Milton. Uh, and they, they kind of, I guess, you know, sort of rescued it. And then that failed. All that fell apart. And then when they were going to go through and get in a headhunter, Alex Andrade calls Scott and says, hey, just want to see if there's anything you, you can tell us about this process that might make us make it better for the future. And Scott says, well, as a matter of fact, I might still be interested in the job. And everybody's like, all right, he's the best guy. Let's get him. So they hired him. And he immediately ran into uh, some allegations from Heather Lindsay that he was dealing inappropriately. And he was the foil of state legislators. And he was the foil of local developers. And, you know, uh, what I think sounded an awful lot like defamation against a local developer. And uh, he basically said, you know, I don't think I am going to stick around in all of this. This is crazy. And, you know, Said he wouldn't renew after a while, and then eventually said, no, I'm just I'm just playing out. So he's out-out. And I think at this point, nobody's wanting to uh, rehire him. Although everybody seems to recognize, and I agree, that everything he did seemed to be fairly good, although that has now come into um, some challenge. So that left us with the special meeting on Thursday to figure out who are we going to have as the interim city manager. Um, one alternative was Chief Tony Tyndall, police chief, who stepped in before for a little while. 
Uh, he, he does not want this job. <laughs> That's what I have heard. And that is what apparently the uh, members uh, in, you know, in the council said, Sherry Sebastio. I made my second on the fact that I have been on this phone all day today. I can't tell you who's been to my office, who I've talked to on the phone today. I've talked to a lot of senior staff and I'm in the same boat as what Jeff has had to say. I, everyone that I've spoke to highly are, are, are really feel like that this is the best for us, and I do too, so that's where I'm at. That's to have Randy Jorgensen come back, Jeff Snow. Randy Jorgensen, number one, cares about this city, and he sh it shows by him even willing to step into this critical point of time with this wastewater treatment plant. It would be nearly impossible to get anybody up to speed uh, to where we need to be at. He's well-respected. Nobody can get up to speed that fast. Nobody of any competence is going to want this job. I mean, we said they didn't want, wouldn't want the job back in the summer. You know, who on earth would want to come into the middle of all of this crazy, ridiculous drama? And no, you know, people did nevertheless. And then, you know, as it turned out, the best candidate got up close and personal with all the drama and said, oh, hell no. <laughs> I'm not going to be doing this anymore. So, but you still have a contingent, the Pitchfork Posse in Milton, and they're two and a half. And I say two and a half because the mayor doesn't get to vote in most things unless there's a tie. But she is uh, in league on the side of generally with the Pitchfork Posse folks. And then Mike Cusack and Marilyn Farrow, the two members on the six to two or now five to two votes uh, almost all of the time. And so it came as no surprise to me when Mike Cusack, the, again, the guy who, my opinion, is mostly responsible for the first screw-up of the Scott Collins deal uh, because he misunderstood his role. Anyway, um, Mike Cusack says, uh, well, I don't know if we can even hire this Randy Jorgensen. Who is this Randy Jorgensen guy? Being a former employee and not, an current, not, a, not a current employee, I believe it's not appropriate to be appointed. Um, the process is for the interim city manager to default to Tony Tyndall. Who, again, doesn't want the job. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a hard road to hold. But um, he says, not only are we not supposed to appoint former city employees, but I think there's a process here. I don't, I don't think that we can take a guy who was the city manager for so long, and before that he was a department director. I don't think that we can take him back at all, really. In the, in the event that a vote takes place and you, people here want to try to appoint him, I think he should be considered a new hire subject to an updated employment application, res resume submittal, and a full background check. <laughs> Fingerprint him. <laughs> Call his references. The, the guy who most of the staff, not just by like hearsay from the city council members, but because senior director staff showed up and said at the meeting, oh, we want Randy. We need Randy. Randy is the only person who can do this. We trust him and we can work with him. But no, no, no. Mike Usek says we got to go through a background check. Make him fill out an application. Give him the five-page questionnaire. Find out what his likes and dislikes are. <laughs> Run him through an indoctrination orientation. Okay. So this is, by the way, this is, this is really just, this is just the beginning. Okay. As is often the case with Days of Our Milton, this is a three-act play. And uh, we have barely scratched the surface. Let me, let, me, let me put it to you this way. I have, uh, now I always go overboard. It's my fault. Uh, but there are 45 audio cuts on this topic. We are on cut seven. <laughs>
So, you know, okay. So, uh, again, Sharia Sebastio asks Heather Lindsay, will you want Chief Tyndall to be the um, the guy? Or also she said maybe we could go outside, hire some outside, I don't know, random expert to, like, be caretaker, interim, some legal staff or something like that was kind of her idea, uh, Heather Lindsay's idea. So uh, Shari Sebastio says, will you talk to Tony? Does he want it? Well, you know, he's willing to take on a limited role. And Shari's like, no, he's not. I spoke with Tyndall this afternoon, and he informed me that he was not interested in it. So that's what I heard. And again, I said I've talked to all the senior staff, and I've had no complaints from the senior staff saying they have a problem with us bringing Randy Jorgensen back. And by the way, Chief Tyndall is, is, I guess, scheduled to retire fairly soon as well, so maybe sometime this year. Uh, so, and he, he's like, man, I am happy just being the police chief. <laughs> he didn't need to not speak. Okay. But that's the impression I get from all of the indirect testimony they gave Gavin Hawthorne, who has more recently city councilman Gavin Hawthorne has taken more recently to speaking up in these meetings. I mean, we've already been burned by Scott Collins multiple times. So my opinion is more so, okay, what if he does work at a lesser capacity, Scott, and then he bails them. And then yeah. now chief Tone, now you have the chief police has everything under his belt, then what are we going to do? You know, what if you kind of give Scott Collins some duties and then give the chief the basic operational duties, and then Scott Collins does what he's done so well so far, which is quit? Again, I like Scott. Okay, but, you know, he does have a track record at this point. And, uh, you know, I think he's very capable. But, again, he does have a track record at this point. Um, Gavin Hawthorne says, then we're really in trouble. Oh, that's... Hire a headhunter. Let's find it. There's no manager in the nation that's going to want to get in the middle of what we have going on. But there is one person, that's Randy Jorgensen. And unfortunately for most of the people that don't want to hear it, that to me in the last two days is our best option. The only option. So Gavin Hawthorne says we've already been burned by Scott Collins a couple of times. Let's not put ourselves in a position to be burned by him again. Casey Powell, another city council member, and he's typically running the meetings. So I don't know, president of, city council, president of the council, I guess. I'm not really sure. Uh, I think so, but I don't want to, you know, don't quote me. It's not like I'm on the radio. The ones that have reached out to me all have the same opinion. And this is the department heads. The department heads that I spoke to are ones that I trust. And I know that they are interested in what's best for the city and those are also department heads that if we were to lose them we would be in serious serious jeopardy on being able to operate on daily on the daily basis so let's not put ourselves in an impossible no-win situation and i find it unfortunate that we're in the position but i also don't know going forward how i could trust the suggestion of having Scott as a temporary basis. And it's not anything to do with him. His decision is his. He has not felt the need to share exactly why his decision was reached, and that's okay. He doesn't have to. But it is weird and sudden, and it puts us in a very bad position. That language from Casey Powell that we can't trust Scott Collins, that is strong language from Casey Powell, who's usually very diplomatic in the way he talks. But at this point, with the back and forth during the hiring process and then the notice that he wasn't going to seek reappointment to a second term and then resignation. I was here the day that that resignation came out. I was here with a meeting with the auditor general and there was no indication that there was any issue. In fact, it was quite the opposite that was said to me. So it was a, a big shock to be told one thing in a meeting and in our personal meeting before and then that night have a completely different story. So those are concerning things to me. Um, I'm very happy with the directions that Scott has provided. 
I think he obviously is qualified and has done a great job on the directions that he's given us. Uh, and again, I just, but I don't know that I can trust that as a viable option based off of the track record. Again, very strong language for Casey Powell to say that he cannot trust this person uh, who is, you know, at least for a few more days, the actual city manager until his resignation takes takes hold. Uh, Jeff Snow says, look, Randy's coming back because he cares about people, the staff, this city. We're lucky to be able to have somebody to volunteer to, to jump back into all of this nonsense. Uh, and I think that he's right. Now, there, there's, well, here, here, here's Jeff Snow again. I stand by this firmly. Uh, Randy has done a fabulous job. No, everyone doesn't agree with that. Uh, I'm thankful that he is willing to come back because he truly cares about this staff and because he cares so much about the city of Milton. And by the way, senior staff that actually showed up at the meeting to speak and praise Randy and beg city council to hire him back, the uh, financial officer, CFO Curtis Krebs, um, you also had the uh, grants manager, Sandra Woodbury, the woman who is most responsible for getting the tens of millions of dollars that are in jeopardy for the wastewater treatment plant. And if the, they don't meet a couple of deadlines, that money's going to all go away, she says. And Joe Cook, the director of public works. By the way, most of what's going on here is a combination of personality clash and the wastewater treatment plant. It's always about the poop water. Okay, that's <laughs> it's always about the poop water. And because you have this very small group of people, the Pitchfork Posse, that lives on um, a certain section of the Blackwater River, and they're very upset that the wastewater treatment plant was going to be built anywhere near them, and they started to save the Blackwater River nonsense and convinced people that this treatment plant was going to be discharging into the river or that there were going to be accidents and overflows into the river and destroy the river. Meanwhile, the current wastewater treatment plant actually does discharge effluent directly into the river, which the new wastewater treatment plant will not do, <laughs> will not do. So they have been, I mean, it, you got to read everything through that lens. And this is all about that. And those folks got up and said some very, very nasty things about Randy Jorgensen. Um, Pam, I'll just give you a taste. This, this is going to be for the second act, but here's, here's a little taste of what they said. This is Pam Mitchell. Those were all people that had issues to some degree with working with Randy Jorgensen, okay? Um, many of the women that I knew personally, it was health reasons, the, you know, the bullying, the um, just the manipulative behavior. Anyway, um, on a more productive note. What? Manipulative, like when the city clerk goes into Randy's office when he's not there one day and takes his computer and takes it down to IT and tells them what to do with it to get all of the th documents off of it that she wants and orders them around like she's a manipulative, manipulative like, oh, and this is, by the way, this is fairly new information. Like if you're the city mayor, filing a legal complaint against Alex Andrade that reads like a personal I'm not a witch hunter manifesto, and she gets told by the state, the, the board that reviews these things, um, ma'am, this sounds like a political matter, and it's really not our job to, you know, figure out these things. If you ever do find any legal grounds that you can complain about Alex Andrade, feel free to come back to us if somebody else, like a court, adjudicates this to have been a violation of his legal duty. Otherwise, it just sounds like you're using us to achieve a political objective that you couldn't achieve at the local level. I mean, they dismissed it like, Right quick. <laughs> and they said, this is crazy. And I've read, I'm still reading it. It's long. And it, 
Hmm. It doesn't read well for Mayor Lindsay. Oh, like drama, like blocking the city attorney from your personal cell phone so you cannot take texts and calls from it. That Mayor Lindsay has also done that. So, meanwhile, Mayor Lindsay says, well, you know, I don't know. Randy's a friend, but... I have my own reservations. I, I, um, I've been friends with Randy and his wife uh, for over a decade, and she and I were in Kiwanis together. And, um, you know, I, I don't say this to be unkind, but um, Mr. Jorgensen was ultimately responsible for an $8 million mistake when we look back three years ago with the bid that was off. Oh, with friends like these. <laughs> so, as I said, uh, I got about 40, 45 sound clips and all the drama, and we're into it. We're about a third way through. It's, it's a time for an act, a scene change. Okay, we're going we're gonna to pause here. But for those of you who might have been thinking that Days of Our Milton was going away, that, you know, there wouldn't be any more drama... No. <laughs> uh, you just haven't been following it well enough. 526 on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. I'm getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, a Pfizer vaccine. So am I, because I'm at risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. If you're 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, COPD, or heart disease, or are 65 or older, you are at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about Prevnar 20, pneumococcal 20-valent conjugate vaccine. It can help protect you against pneumococcal pneumonia in just one dose. Even if you've already been vaccinated with other pneumonia vaccines, Prevnar 20 may help provide added protection. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. This is a test of the emergency alert system. This is only a test. Join the thousands of recyclers who strive to eliminate recycling contamination every day by following the Core 4. The Core 4 includes glass containers, plastics 1 and 2, cardboard and mixed paper, and metal cans. Remember, if you're not sure if an item can be recycled, think when in doubt, throw it out and put it in your garbage can instead of recycling. Visit ecua.fl.gov for more information. That's ecua.fl.gov. And thank you for being ECUA's recycling partner. Join Micah Rockwell, the owner of the new Fleet Feet Pensacola, Wednesday at 9 a.m. on the Pensacola Expert Panel. His guests will be Dr. Grace, a podiatrist, to talk about preventative care, insults, general foot care for diabetics, and arthritis. Other topics include Fleet Feet's shoe fitting process, Fit ID foot scanner, shoes for runners, walkers, comfort, pain relief, and more. The Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Text or call with your questions. 850-437-1620. Pensacola right now with Joe and Austin. 4 to 7 on News Radio Pensacola. Informative, local, dependable.
Friday morning, 529, News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. And joining us again, we have David Wayne, brand new daddy. Welcome back, David. Good to have you, sir. Well, good morning. Great to be here today. Two Minnesota police officers and a paramedic were uh, shot and killed responding to a domestic abuse call early on Sunday morning in a Minneapolis suburb. Law enforcement uh, sources there say... The suspect also died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. That happened about 15 miles south of Minneapolis. Brittany Griner's number 42 now hanging in the rafters at her at her uh, alma mater. Griner returned to Baylor on Sunday. Her number has now officially been retired. It was the first time she's attended a game there since her senior season 11 years ago. Interesting. All right, David, thanks so much for the update. In case you missed the news over the weekend, uh, Trump has been ordered to pay $355 million related to the fraudulent representation of his business dealings, uh, threatened with losing his license for a couple of years, the kids having to pay money, uh, and then there's the other judgments against him. We're looking at maybe half a billion dollars in penalties right now. Fox News, I'm CJ Papa. House Republicans are gearing up to prove their impeachment case against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over the immigration crisis at the southern border. The New Yorker says the White House had instructed Mayorkas to avoid using the word crisis in his public appearances, but it was obvious to most observers that there was one. Mayorkas steered clear of using the term as recently as last month. Fox's Madeline Rivera, the trial set to begin next Monday in the Senate. One person is dead, five others injured during a shooting early this morning at a Waffle House on the west side of Indianapolis. Investigators are still searching the area for witnesses. And a green light for the rain-delayed Daytona 500. The good news is the race will go off today because this is going to dry up in the next couple of hours. That is Fox meteorologist Adam Klotz with the forecast. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning. It's 531 at News Radio 92. Three, a little bit of a chilly morning today. Right now, 38 degrees in Pensacola and clear skies. It does appear that law enforcement right now is on the scene at the uh, Bob Sykes Bridge at the Toll Plaza where a fatality crash is being reported. We don't have any information yet on exactly what's happened there. FHP does report, though, that southbound lanes uh, from the Toll Plaza into Pensacola Beach are closed. We'll let you know as soon as we learn more about what's happening. A contonement man has died and two other people hurt after a crash on Beverly Parkway and Pipeline Road over the weekend. FHP says three pickup trucks collided Saturday afternoon. That crash happened when a Nissan crossed the center line, entered the path of a, a Ford truck. That truck swerved and was sideswiped. Meanwhile, that Nissan crashed head-on into a Dodge Ram. A 45-year-old cantonment man was driving the Nissan. He died at the scene. A passenger in that vehicle was also hurt. The driver of the Dodge, a 68-year-old Milton man, was taken to the hospital with serious injuries. There's new law working its way through Tallahassee, which would require people give first responders a little bit of room as they're working in the field. The law just passed the state Senate last week. A similar bill now making its way through the House. It would establish a 14-foot distance for bystanders to give police and paramedics as they're working. It will be imperfect unless they rope it off, and you normally don't rope off until after the situation has been resolved. But uh, it is a arbitrary number, and, and I think, uh, I doubt if it will ever be questioned. State Senator Doug Broxson, he talked with Channel 3. Broxson says he does support the bill, and he called it common sense. 
Uh, it would make it a first-degree misdemeanor to get too close to first responders while they're trying to work. And PPD says people can still record officers working just at that 14-foot distance. Uh, PPD's Mike Wood also told Channel 3 officers wouldn't be looking to arrest family members that are checking on relatives who were in distress. Now, the search is underway for four missing boaters in Sarasota County. The Coast Guard, Sarasota County Sheriff's Office, Manatee County Sheriff's Office, Venice Police, and FWC have all been searching the Gulf. Uh, the search area extends from the shoreline there to about nine miles out. And commissioners just down the road in Leon County will be discussing whether they should formally apologize for slavery tomorrow. They'll be discussing that proposal at a county meeting on Tuesday. Uh, Leon County Commissioner Bill Proctor says he wants the county to formally issue an apology for slavery. And he says he got that idea after a local church made a similar public apology. Proctor called that the first domino falling. It is 534. Let's get a look at our Channel 3 weather forecast this morning. We all have a beautiful sunny day today with temperatures in the 60s, 61 degrees for your high. Temperatures tonight dropping back in the 30s, 39 degrees. For Tuesday, a nice sunny pattern continues high near 65 degrees. Tuesday night temperatures dropping near 47. Warming up on Wednesday into the upper 60s with a high near 68 with plenty of sunshine. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. Thank you very much, Brooke. And a bit of a cold morning. It's 38 degrees in Pensacola, 39 in Gulf Breeze, and 38 in Milton. Your next news at 6, breaking news anytime it happens. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. Are you hungry for news that keeps you informed, is local and dependable? Look no further than News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and on AM 1620. We're your trusted source for all the latest happenings in the Emerald Coast. From breaking news to in-depth reports, we've got you covered. Our team of experienced journalists brings you the stories that matter most to our community. Stay connected with local events, weather updates, and traffic reports, ensuring you're always one step ahead. We're News Radio Pensacola. Informative, local, dependable. As a business owner, you have a lot on your plate, from managing staff, growing your business, training new hires, and more. With so much going on, you need Avalon. As an IRS-certified PEO, Avalon HR can help from running your payrolls, remitting state and federal taxes, helping with COVID employee retention credits, workers' compensation insurance, employee benefits, and their HR expertise. Avalon HR lets you focus on your core business while we handle the rest. Avalon HR, employing made easy. The cooler weather in Pensacola is a great time of the year for gardening. Whether it's planting roses, planting shrubs and trees and cool weather color, and of course, planning for spring. This is Mike Wiggins. If you've got gardening questions, we've got answers on the News Radio Garden Line every Tuesday morning at 9 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. And if you miss us on Tuesdays, then catch the Encore Edition every Saturday morning at 9. Sponsored by Pensacola Hardware, Blue Sky Landscaping, and Barnes Feed Store. The Dave Ramsey Show, weeknights 7 to 10, before WEAR TV News on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable.
37 here on News Radio 923. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. We have an election coming, in case you hadn't uh, heard. Uh, Florida does still get to vote for uh, president. And we uh, we talked about this on Friday with the new uh, supervisor of elections in Scambia County, former county commissioner for District 4, Robert Bender. Uh, commissioner, now supervisor. Welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Morning, Andrew. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. So um, there is a pothole at uh, Via De Luna and Fort Pickens Road that um, I'm trying to figure some stuff out about. What can you tell me? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, there shouldn't be because the crews were out there uh, grinding that away and, and repaving that whole intersection yesterday. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, no, we just, you know, they just we we did get that repaved though from uh, south of the toll plaza to I know, I know. and then the intersection was being redone. So. I'm just uh, I'm just messing with you there. because that's that's been you, our conversations for the last God however many years now. Um, I'm so accustomed to thinking of that with you with all kinds of county issues. Yeah. But now the supervisor of elections. So first things. This is the first time you've been on the show since you got um, the job. Um, how are you adjusting? What do you how do you like it? It's it's going great, and uh, I mean I really appreciate the kind words last week. Um, oh, you're so you welcome. Know, when when I the day. When I had my swearing in on on the Wednesday after I took over, it, it didn't seem like it was our third day on on the job. My third day. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a great team there. Of course, David had a great team there, and uh, he's really set the the office up for success. So, um, you know, in that week we were having to get the military overseas ballots out the Yukovas, and um, and so we we went through the processes and and got some things working that hadn't been working before, and and accomplished that. So. And then last week we sent out another almost 10,000 ballots uh, to our, our domestic voters. So um, it's been a busy you know, three weeks. Uh, we're training poll workers, getting them ready for early voting and, and election day. And, um, and and on top of just, just getting an understanding of, of everything that uh, that I didn't know and getting tuned in with, uh, with the state. Uh, with the other supervisors of elections and, and things like that. So Now, you have been on the canvassing board before, of course. Uh, that's one of the duties of the county commissioners is when they're not in an election year. And um, my, my question for you is, if the job is 100% of the totality of the things that you're going to need to know, what percentage did you know already as an outsider slash county commissioner slash canvassing board member? I, I don't know about an actual percentage, but... And, you know, I was there for the 2020 presidential election, so I, I went through three election cycles. So, of course, the, the lead-up time, um, you know, we're, we're learning the statutes um, for that process. Uh, you know, you've, I have to take a, a training course, course. Uh, do signature verification and things like that uh, for, as a canvassing board member. Uh, I had done all those things already because I was, I was on the canvassing board again this year. Um, and um, But I also paid attention to the process um you know i didn't just sit at the table and wait for stuff to come i would i would you know help process the ballots of of just running them through the machine and you know that's the tabulator that you know goes so fast that you know it's like reading the sat bubbles you know things like that um and and so um you know i I was familiar with the process um and uh so again it's this minor uh, the finer details and and just learning you know little nuances um, but I, I think that's what really helped. And, and even those first few weeks was, um, you know, I wasn't, uh, didn't have my, my nose in the statutes. Uh, you know, I was, I was in the back helping with stuffing of the ballots and things like that. So, um, you know, sat in a couple of the training reviewed manuals, um, just to try to, uh, immerse myself in, in all the details that, that staff's doing every day. 
There are important deadlines uh, that are almost upon us. I mean, we've already got sample ballots. You know, my wife and I, uh, well, I guess she did because she requested, I don't request a vote by mail because I like to vote in person. Um, but what are some of the important deadlines that people need to be aware of? Sure. So she got one of our actual ballots that we sent last week. Um, sample ballots, uh, just because you mentioned that, uh, we hope to bail, mail around May 1st. I mean, sorry, March 1st. Those will go to any, any voter that has not uh, asked for a vote by mail ballot. Um, and as we're talking about vote by mail ballots, uh, that's one of our three ways to vote. And uh, as of uh, the end of last year, everyone who had requested a vote by mail ballot, uh, uh, their request expired. Uh, so everyone has to request a, a vote by mail ballot for each election cycle. So you could request a vote by mail ballot uh, for the three elections this year, um, but it would expire after this year. Um, and so we hope to have the, the sample ballot out to everyone else uh, by about March 1st. Um, but the, the, the quickest deadline we have coming up is, is February 20th, the books close. So this is a Republican-only closed primary. Um, and so uh, you either need to register to vote or change your party. Um, by February 20th, you can come by our office until 5 p.m., or you can go on our website until 11 p.m. on the 20th um, to register to vote. Um, and then March 7th is the last day to request a vote by mail ballot. Um, and then... Um, some of the things that will be on the sample ballot will be all, all 10 of our early voting locations. Um, and those will, that will be from March 9th to March 16th, nine to five at, at all locations. And then, uh, March 19th is the presidential preference and, uh, that's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Um, and so, uh, again, going back to the people that have requested a vote by mail ballot, you can track your ballot on our website is gambiavotes.gov. Uh, and so if you send it in, you'll, you'll know when we've received it. Um, and uh, you can also call the office to ch- check that. Which is always, um, a, that's always a nice feature because when you mail it, there's always that. I hope it gets there, you know, but you can actually track it and make sure that it does. 20th is the last day to register for this primary. So uh, questions. One question is, you said it's a Republican-only primary. It's a closed primary. There is a, there's a Democratic primary, though, too, right, for president, or is there not? There is not. There's, there was not a qualified candidate that, that, ah. that registered qualified okay. uh, against President Biden. So, um, so there is no Democratic presidential preference. So you can't even write in somebody else. Okay, all right, fair enough. I, see, I didn't know that yep. about Florida. So, see, yep. I learn things every day. Uh, yep. Second thing is, when somebody gets this ballot, um, either in the mail or when they come to the polling place, you know, I know my wife had said, um, you know, well, what happens to the, you know, there's a person on this ballot that I don't even recognize their name, let alone people like Governor DeSantis who qualified but has you know, suspended his campaign. What happens if I vote for somebody that is, you know, not actively running a campaign come March 19th, which is probably going to be everybody but Trump, most likely? What happens to those votes? So those votes will still count towards that individual. Um, so we will have signage up that suspended campaign, you know, uh, hopefully voters uh, can go check or, or come in that are aware of campaigns that have been suspended. Uh, but uh, they were they did all qualify at the deadline. And so that's why their their names are still on the ballot. And uh, any vote for that individual will, will be counted towards that individual. Very good. Anything else that you want people to know uh, before we let you go today? Sure. So as, as we're talking about the tracking our, our ballots and things like that, you know, we do suggest that you, you try to mail it uh, a week before um, March 19th. Um, but if, if you've mailed it and you're worried that it doesn't come in time, you can still go vote um, at early voting or, or at the precinct. And then what happens is when we receive that ballot, if we receive it before, you know, by March 19th, 
our our system shows that you've already voted, and we and we won't we won't accept it. You know, we'll just hold on to it. We don't open it or anything like that. So, um, again, if you get worried about that, um, then um, then you can still go vote. Very um, very good. And I think that's uh, that's about it. Perfect. Well, uh, welcome to the job. I am gonna I am gonna take a, a moment of privilege here for a second. And you and I have known each other a fair amount of time. Uh, I you know I've always thought that you were a very good source of information, and you know certainly capable at what you did as a county commissioner. I'm going to lobby you for something that is extremely important to me and I think to the country. Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the concept of, it's sometimes called instant runoff voting, sometimes it's called ranked choice voting, but it's the idea that instead of voting bubble for one person, you rank all of the candidates, one, two, three, four, five, in the order you would like them if able it's a system that's used in some countries and some states and some small areas or whatever. Um, I am adamantly, like, I'm convinced of the value of this more than anything else I believe in politics right now. Um, please, sir, if there's anything you can do <laughs> to make this happen uh, or to advocate for it, uh, this is my just, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you do whatever you can, okay? Sure. So, uh, and that's the thing is, so just, just like the, the associate floor association of counties, uh, there's a floor supervisor of elections association and, and, um, and so I, I look at getting, look forward to getting involved with, with them. Right. Um, and of course, similar to, to what, what we do, you know, we would lobby the legislators and things like that, but, um, there's, yeah, there's definitely a couple different uh, options out there. So, um, but you know, real quick, I would say that, uh, and not, it's not the, the voting style, but just Florida in general. Uh, I think that, uh, Florida is the gold standard across the country and how we run elections. Agreed. Um, and, and so, um, and that's what our voters have come to expect. Um, you know, safe, accurate, um, quick results, you know, uh, you know, I have 15 minutes from the time that the polls close, uh, to get the early vote and the vote by mail that we've already tabulated, um, posted. Um, and so when you have 60 to 70% of your vote, that's, that's being, um, you know, the results are, are being shown 15 minutes after the polls close. And then the precincts are coming in shortly thereafter. You know, we, we, we get a, a fairly accurate uh, result um, pretty quickly. Right. Um, but, uh, but yes, no, I understand what you're saying. And, of course, I've, I've heard of that method uh, before as well. Well, very good. Well, it is the most important thing in our political system. The right to speak matters. The right to carry a gun matters. The uh, right to, um, you know, have the charges announced against you in a trial by jury. All of these things matter. But pretty much all of that doesn't matter if we don't have the ability to vote and have an accurate tally of who we vote for and put them in power properly. So you are a safeguard of one of the most yep. important elements of our system and liberty. And so I appreciate that you're doing the job. Robert Bender, our supervisor of elections in Escambia County, sir, thanks for the time this morning. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, sir, Andrew. Thank you so much. Absolutely. 548 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. If you are thinking about buying or selling a home or trying to decide what to do with your property, acquiring a new home, downsizing, upsizing, picking up a new rental that you'd like to you know, make a little bit of money off of, or buying a home for the very first time, and the whole prospect of this process scares you, call Christina Leavenworth. I mean, she loves talking to people. She loves meeting people. She loves sitting down and talking to folks for the first time and teaching them what she knows about real estate so that they can make good decisions so that you can make good decisions for yourself. That's her whole – like, I mean, I've known Christina as long as we've lived here. She's really sweetheart, and she just loves talking to people and helping them and knowing that she's making a difference in their lives and helping them achieve their financial goals. 723-9158. 723-9158 for Christina Leavenworth and her team at Leavenrinke Realty. 
Hi, this is Todd Thompson, President and CEO of the Greater Pensacola Chamber of Commerce. Tune in to the Pensacola Expert Panel for the Chamber Connection Show that will keep you informed on what's going on with your Chamber of Commerce. Tune in at 10 to find out about our upcoming events, all of our different programs, and what's happening with our local business community. It's the Chamber Connection Show every other Monday at 10 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. The Port of Pensacola is more than just a name. It's a powerhouse of economic opportunities, a strategic location that sparks growth and prosperity, contributing significantly to the local and regional economy with 23 incredible businesses that call this port home. Big names like CMEX Materials, GE Wind Energy, and soon the prestigious American Magic Sailing Team. Since 1754, the Port of Pensacola has been the driving force behind Northwest Florida's economic success. Explore more at portofpensacola.com. Advertising, marketing, digital marketing. These are all words you hear a lot about in today's world. But what do they mean? How do you get started? You can start by tuning into the Pensacola Expert Panel today at 1030 a.m. Join me, Lexi Mendoza, and I'll show you how to navigate the fast-growing landscape of digital advertising today at 1030 a.m. on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Text or call with your questions. 850-437-1620. News Radio 92.3 gets your live programming every day from 5 a.m. until 7 p.m. on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. I bought a bourgeois house in the Hollywood Hills with a trunk load of hundred thousand dollar bills. Man came by to hook up my Cable TV, we settled in for the night, my baby and me. We switched round and round till half past dawn. There was 57 channels and nothing on. 57 channels and nothing You know this one by Bruce Springsteen? It's no. pretty, pretty good though, right? I heard that. I know, it's smooth, man. I like it. 551 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. David Wayne is back from uh, paternity leave. I mean, that's what it is, right? Paternity yeah. leave. Yeah. I suppose so. It's not maternity leave. I mean, you don't go for maternity leave. You go for paternity leave. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. No, it was a, it was a wonderful, I'll tell you, it was great. a great two weeks. I uh, It's my first child, and it was just incredible. What an experience. I can't I, believe I, it. I'm, I can see it all over you. <laughs> and that, that's great. And she's, she's doing better. She's back home. Mom's back home. Baby's back home. Yeah, everybody's back home. And it's, you know, it's crazy because uh, the baby was born... Six weeks premature, uh, yeah. three pounds, eight ounces when I, she was born. Just when tiny. I saw that first post from you, I was like, ooh, three pounds. That's yep. super, super uh, small. But And she was in the NICU unit here. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I can't say enough positive things about Sacred Heart. They did you know, great things. Uh, and But she was very healthy. And we brought her home after only 10 days in the NICU unit. Right. Four That's pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Four pounds. We got her home and she's healthy and doing great. And it's, uh, it's been quite an experience. Oh man. Well, congratulations. That's great. What's going on in the newsroom, sir? American forces dealing with Iranian backed Houthi rebels in the Red Sea say they've now struck an underwater drone for the first time. U S Com- central command says the undersea drone was struck on Saturday during a series of self-defense strikes in waters near Yemen. Uh, CENTCOM says they determined the targets presented an imminent threat to U.S. Navy ships. Police in Nashville say a small crowd of neo-Nazis were marching around the Tennessee State Capitol building on Saturday. They were 
apparently uh, carrying flags with swastikas. The group is uh, part of the Blood Tribe, which they say is a white supremacist organization founded back in 2021. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and... It's a weird, uh, weird mix of that song, but some more big accolades for the Barbie movie. Uh, the big winner of this year's People's Choice Awards. The fan-voted pop culture awards were handed out last night. Barbie winning Movie of the Year and Comedy of the Year. Uh, and uh, lead actors Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling also were both named the female and male movie stars of the year in that uh, ceremony as well. Very good. All right, David, thanks so much for the update. 5.53 on News Radio 92.3. Uh, what else do we have going on? Um, oh, th- this is, <laughs> I might come back to this a little bit later, but I thought it was just interesting. I, I, a lot of the stuff surrounding President Trump, I find, you know, sort of fascinating from an analytical point of view. And th- this certainly falls in that category. You may have heard that, uh, late last week, you know, when, when, um, as after Putin did that interview with Tucker Carlson, after which he said that Tucker Carlson was basically giving him softball questions and he was surprised that it was so easy. Um, but, you know, following that, you had a couple of interesting developments. Number one is that Putin came out and said that he prefers Biden to win the election. He wants Biden to win over Trump. Now, what I thought was interesting about that is that, you know, Trump has always made the comment that he gets along with Putin, he understands Putin, and, you know, he's given Putin praise, for which he has gotten a lot of criticism. And so he picks Biden— now, the question you've always got to ask yourself is, does Putin really want Biden or does he think that in picking Biden, he's accomplishing something political that does what he wants to do in the end? I mean, who knows? I mean, he was the head of their um, intelligence service you know, for a long time, right? He was the bad guy, really, really bad guy in the Soviet Union. And uh, so, of course, everything is a psychological operation to Vladimir Putin. And he's a very, very, very crafty person. What I thought was interesting is, you know, Trump's response is uh, he called it a compliment for Putin to pick Biden. Because, you know, presumably that means that, uh, you know, the argument would go, well, Putin is scared of me, knows that I will be tough on Russia. Putin knows that um, I make life far harder for him, and, you know, Biden is, is a pushover and doesn't do anything significant. Okay, fair enough. I, I hear you. Um, what would Trump have said if Putin had endorsed him? I mean, you know, we don't know because it didn't happen. This is what we in philosophy like to call a counterfactual. You might call it a hypothetical. But, you know, if a thing that didn't happen had happened, what would have been the consequence of that? What would Trump have said if Putin had endorsed him instead of Biden? He would have said, see, he knows that I will be a good leader. He knows that we have a good relationship. I can accomplish things that Biden wouldn't accomplish. And I'm sure he would have said something along the lines of, if I'd have been, because he said it before, if I had been president, Putin never would have invaded Ukraine. I can solve this problem. I can solve this war. I can prevent Putin from doing anything else because I have a relationship with him. He respects me. He trusts me. He fears me, whatever. Meaning, and you know this is true, Whichever way Putin had gone, it would have been proof that Trump was the right person to elect. Which is another way of saying that be careful about the reasoning from President Trump that you follow. Because when somebody gives you reasoning that would... Now, it's a little unfair, I know, because I'm you know saying if this had happened. But you know that's what would have happened because he said similar things in other contexts, right? And so you always have to be careful about two kinds of people. The kind of person who is the sort of the skeptic who 
no matter what evidence comes up, they'll always find a way to dismiss it. The conspiracy theorist, no matter what evidence comes up, the conspiracy is absolutely true. Or, you know, in this case, that whichever way somebody else goes, opposing them or favoring them, well, that's obviously good news for me as a candidate. Well, no, it means that your analytical framework for assessing good and bad information out of a fact is self-serving, <laughs> not that it's a good way to analyze things. So you just kind of always got to beware. There are many, many people in the world, uh, probably the majority of people in the world, for whom reasoning is not a process to which they are submitted in order to have it teach them something. Reason is a tool they use selectively in order to make whatever they decide look better. Sort of like how people, not all, but many, approach the Bible as something that is there to support them in what they want to do, and they are dismissive of the parts of it that don't support what they want to say or believe. And so they're not using the Bible as a tool that can correct them to which they're submitted, from which they draw guidance. They're using it because other people look at the Bible that way. They're using it to pretend that it is on their side because it adds a sort of a layer of authenticity or authority to what they want to say. People do this all the time with the Bible. They do it all the time with facts in general, and they certainly do it all the time with reasoning, where they're not really looking at what the reasoning is. They're looking at how reasoning can be sort of twisted as a form of advertising. And by the way, reason often can be twisted as a form of advertising because look at every court case. You have two people who are generally very good at reasoning on completely opposite sides using reasoning to make their side look like the right one, and both sides can't be right. So just this is, this is my long-winded way of having taught logic for 10 years, telling you be careful of those who use reasoning to support their judgments because a lot of times they're just using that as cloak after the fact rather than substance before the fact in order to figure out what the right answer is. And it is hard to tell the difference. President Trump does not make it hard because he does this routinely, so it's easy to see that he's not using reasons of right. Listen on air at 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3, WNRP, Gulf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.